As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Krista is back on the podcast, and today she joins me to discuss how to plan your content marketing strategy like you are the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, of your business. What we found is that many businesses struggle with either understanding what a content marketing strategy should consist of, where to start when it comes to planning out your strategy, or just getting started with creating content at all. We try to tackle both of those topics in this two-part episode. Be sure to check out the second part, which will focus on actual content creation that will release next week. As always, be sure to check out the show notes at davyandkrista.com for the resources that we mentioned during the episode. We want to hear from you. Let us know what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brands That Book podcast as we move forward. To leave your feedback, just send us a DM on Instagram at davyandkrista. All right, so before we jump into this episode, I want to share with you the tool that we're using to record, host, and share this podcast because it has made our lives, honestly, so much easier. And that tool is Zencaster. Before switching to Zencaster, I had accrued a ridiculous amount of subscriptions to make this podcast happen. And I finally realized what a nightmare my podcasting workflow had become when I went to train another team member on it and had to walk them through all of these different apps that I use. So finally, I made the switch. I was pretty nervous about doing so, but it ended up being a seamless experience. And the best part? This one tool Zencaster has replaced almost every other app that I use for my podcast, which saves me so much money each month. A few things that I really like about Zencaster and were important to me. First, Zencaster has a video component. It's a lot easier to have a conversation with someone when you can see the person that you're chatting with. Plus, if you do have a video podcast, they make it easy to record and distribute the video. Separate tracks was a must. It eliminates chances of audio quality issues. And, you know, honestly, there are just too many features for me to cover here. So check out their website for a full list of features. Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code Davy and Krista. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. You can also find more information about Zencaster in the show notes and our blog. And remember, we only ever recommend tools that we know and trust. Now, on to the episode. All right. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Except that by the time this comes out, it's going to be a couple weeks past Halloween. This content, we are actually ahead right now in having recorded content. 
and scheduling it, except for this episode, I think we'll actually go live in the next two weeks. So okay. we won't be too far out. We'll probably be a little bit closer it's to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, than we are to Halloween. Well, I had a pile of candy corn and some coffee when yeah. I was recording. I don't like candy corn. And I feel like this is, you know, people either really like it or they don't. Yeah, I can do like a handful. But after like more than that, you just feel like the corn syrup getting to you. But yes, Jack had it for the first time a few weeks ago. And he was like, mom, what is this? Can we get this all the time? No, the answer is <laughs> no. It's no. awful for you. The answer is no. But he was very excited. He was up at like 545 this morning. Oh yeah. I think that he says Halloween is his favorite holiday. I don't know if it's, he, I think he also really loves Christmas, but he just loves everything about Halloween. It's pretty funny. So he was yeah. so excited to go trick-or-treating today to wear his costume to school. He got to go trick-or-treating at our local high school and he got so much candy on Saturday. I don't know how we're going to deal with more candy today. I'm going to eat a lot of it. I know that yeah. for better or worse. Well, last year, pro tip, we say I pulled out a bunch and saved it for gingerbread houses. So I'll probably do that too. I'll go through his candy and pull out anything that would be good, like gingerbread house candy. That's good. You also need to just hide it from me. I do. Yeah. But I'm actually excited for it tomorrow. So tomorrow, All Saints Day, and everything will flip from being all Halloween focused to Thanksgiving. Just holiday, you know, like Thanksgiving, Advent, Christmas. I've focused. seen on Instagram people are already posting all sorts of Christmas content. I'm like, guys, you should at least wait yeah, till Thanksgiving. Halloween is wait. over. Yeah. You got to wait till November 1st. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I will say we might break our own rule and put up some Christmas lights earlier than. Thanksgiving this year. Is this because you say that you're going to do them every year and you never Yeah, well, we get them? to that point. We get to Thanksgiving and everything's so busy, especially with kids now. You know, pre-kids, mm -hmm. it was, you know, we had a great little routine of setting up our tree afterwards. And then, you know, I do a bunch of yard work and then I'd set up the lights and things like that. Uh -huh. Now with kids, there's just so much more going on. There is. And all fun stuff. Yeah. And that's lot. one of those things they can't do with you. Like Jack's not going to go on the roof with you yeah. and help you put up the lights. Bad idea. And we just have more places we can put lights now and the places are harder to get to. And yeah. Well, our, so, for our last house was one story and our house is two stories now. So exactly. that's a big difference. So it's just a little, you know, tougher. Yeah. <laughs> a little more challenging. Anyways, today what we're talking about is how to create a marketing plan like a CMO. And I want to talk a little bit about why I wanted to record an episode like this. This is actually going to pair really well with another episode that we're recording about creating content. So just getting back to the reason why we wanted to create this content is because I think people really struggle with one of two things, like one of two aspects of when it comes to like creating content. Like some people have no problem with the actual creating of the content. Uh -huh. I'd say, I don't know, I'm not going to guess at which camp most people fall into. But then there's another group of people, I think that don't struggle so much with creating the content, but struggle with the kind of the overall vision of how the content should work within their marketing plan. Okay. And I think that there's a lot of pitfalls that people fall into when they create content and then, you know, they feel like, oh, this either had no purpose or, you know, I'm not getting anything out of this or it's not moving the needle. Right. So I think I wanted to record this episode really to tackle some of those big picture items. Okay. You know, like when you're approaching content, you know, what's the sort of mindset you should go into creating content with? How should you plan it? What is it really supposed to do? So I want to hit on some of, of these things. Okay. I think that sounds great. All right. Awesome. I will say we're not going to get into in this episode, like a lot of the nitty gritty of creating content. We're recording an episode that I think will either have gone live the episode before this or after this, and it will really focus on content creation. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. So if somebody is starting to think about content creation, where do you suggest that they begin? Do you think that they start with this overall plan and then that will help them figure out their actual like individual content? I think in an ideal world, you would go through this process in sort of a linear fashion, right? You'd start with sort of planning the content and then you move into executing that. I think though that really the important thing when it comes to content creation, especially when you're first getting started, is to just get started. And so that might mean that you have an idea of a piece of content you wanna create, and I would encourage you just to go create it. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we get so hung up in this part of the process and this sort of vision planning stage that we don't actually move on to the execution phase. And I think at the end of the day, especially when it comes to creating content, you're gonna end up creating a lot of not so great content before you get to really great content. And before you start figuring out what your audience really resonates with, but a lot of that comes from just doing, Mm -hmm. you know? So I would say like, it's really good to think through these things and have a plan, but I also wouldn't let that stop you from going and creating the content. And would you say that this like vision casting that we're gonna talk about today is something that somebody does like once? And then they kind of have a plan for their business going forward with content? Or do you think it's like something you do annually, quarterly, or so on? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say it's something that you're you're going to want to revisit. Okay. Because your business is going to grow and evolve and the type of customer that you work with might change a little bit. And it's something that can always be refined. New platforms are going to come into existence. And, you know, while that shouldn't really change your overall approach to content on a strategic level, Mm -hmm. I think it does change it on a tactical level, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, for instance creating content for your blog and then appropriating that content for Instagram is different maybe than appropriating it for TikTok. Right. So that kind of stuff will change. So it's good to revisit this stuff. But I kind of break down, you know, creating a marketing plan into sort of two or three steps here. Okay. The first one is, you know, actually doing the vision and planning the content. Okay. The second one is going to be creating a system around that vision. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is where a lot of content marketing fails is people don't have a system. And so it, it seems like such a big project every time you want to create, even as something as simple as a blog post, right? When you really should have a lot of systems in place, that's going to make that process really easy. Okay. And then after that, you know, actually, you know, executing, which we're going to talk more about in this next episode. Cool. So if we're starting with vision and planning content, what is the first thing that people should be thinking about? Yeah, one of my favorite activities that we've once published is the customer journey activity. I don't know if you remember this. It was really a focus on client experience back then. And basically what we encouraged people to do was to map out their customer journey Mm -hmm. in a timeline format. So you would start with, you know, when somebody heard about you or what you would be doing to get somebody to hear about you, Uh you know, and then you would sort of map out every touch point you would have with that, you know, potential client through the time they became a client or customer until they used your product or service, right? Okay. So you map all of that out in a timeline. And the way that we had people do it was we were trying to identify high points and low points, you know? Like for instance, in this customer journey, when somebody decides they want to work with you and they go to pay, Mm -hmm. like paying is never really a fun experience. Right. So the goal of this activity was really to focus on how you can make that low point a bit of a higher point, right? Now, I think that activity can have a lot of value when it comes to planning your content as well. Because you could overlay something like the client timeline activity with a marketing funnel, right? And so what should start to come into focus is that you have a group of people who have never heard of you, all right? And you're trying to create content maybe for that group of people to catch their attention. Right. Then you have a group of people who have heard of you and your product or service maybe, and they're in sort of the research phase. 
right? And so maybe you have a product that, you know, people are comparing against other products. You know, they're doing the, I know when we shop for different software solutions, right? We often do this, right? We're comparing this software versus that software, trying to figure out which one better meets our needs, right? right? And so in that comparison, sort of investigation phase, right? You can be be creating content specifically for those types of questions. And then intent, you know, creating content for people who've really decided, you know, yeah, they most likely want to work with you and thinking through the kind of content you can create there. But as you do that customer journey activity, I think what will start coming into view is the types of questions that people have as they're thinking about your business. And some of these questions might just be ones that you're asked frequently anyways, such as in sales calls or like we have a chat on our website, we get asked questions there or through email and such, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so that's a great place to start thinking about the types of questions and hesitations people have when, you know, potentially working with a business like yours. So that's the the customer journey side of things. I think a lot of times just because people sort of have an in, intuition of how that goes, that's mm-hmm. a good place to start, right? Okay. But really a step before that is creating your customer avatar, you know, basically getting really defined about the audience it is that you're serving. Okay. Right? And I mean, we've all heard this and I know people have different views about niching down, but you know, the nice thing about having a defined niche is that you can speak to a specific type of person right. with a specific kind of problem. And that really will make your marketing efforts stand out. You know, when you can speak to a specific type of person with a specific type of problem. Yeah. Do you think you can give an example of like how niche a typical business should be? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think about, you know, a couple different types of businesses just to give people an idea. Uh I know that a lot of what shows up in my, like as ads in my Instagram, right? Not necessarily ads that we manage are for business coaches, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just think about the ones that I stop and look at. They're typically the ones that are speaking specifically to agency owners and the types of problems that agency owners face, right? And those stand out compared to the other ones, which are going to be like, do you want to go from six figures to seven figures or seven figures to eight figures, right? Those more generic calls to action, like don't get me wrong. I mean, going from seven to eight figures, right, is, would be awesome, right? right? Like who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. Okay? But it is also a little bit more generic. Whereas the people who are speaking specifically to agency owners, like they demonstrate in, you know, that ad copy that one, they understand the problems that agency owners face. And so it makes you think like, oh, well then, maybe they actually have a solution that's made for me versus Mm -hmm. something that's a little bit more generic that, you know, may or may not work for everybody. Yeah. And I would say we work with a lot of creatives, a lot of photographers. Like if you're a service-based business, you could also do the same thing. Like you can say like, I know that my, like if you're a wedding photographer, you can say my average couple is going to spend probably X amount of money. Maybe they have this type of personality. Maybe they work in this kind of job. And that's probably going to come out of my experience too. Just figure out what kinds of people and weddings you like to work with. Yeah. And if you have any experience working with a customer or client that you feel like was an ideal customer or client, you can sort of create your avatar based on them, Yeah, you know, and you can go really deep with this. And I encourage you to do so, you know, not only getting at like superficial things, but then also just their emotional state, you know, and we call this like, uh, we put together these things called a transformation sheet. All right. Mm -hmm. And really simply what that is, is, you know, we identify, you know, 
kind of the before and after of a client or customer working with us, right? Or using our product. So what does that look like? What does that reality look like for a client before they work with your business? What does the reality look like after they work with your business? Mm -hmm. And that will really help you get clear when you start thinking about the type of marketing language that you should be using. Right. Yeah. So, you know, what platforms are they on? What channels do they use to consume content? All of those are important questions too. What are they struggling with? What questions do they have? You know, what are their hopes and dreams, right? What are their aspirations? What's their current emotional state? What will be their emotional state after they, you know, work with you and experience your product or service? Mm -hmm. All of those are good questions to ask. Is there anything else that we should think about when we're talking about our ideal person or starting to plan the content? No, I mean, you can, you know, my goal is to actually do a podcast episode on customer avatars. Okay. All right. And actually, you know, really, really create a worksheet that people can go through. All right. So maybe I'll have done this by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> I think I'll be at Spark maybe when that happens. So I know I you're know laughing about at that. me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I do want to do an episode soon on creating a, a customer avatar. And I think that this is so important even for different initiatives that you're doing. Right. And I think this is one of those things where people... Like without really realizing it, you can start falling into just more generic language, you know, because it is scary to think that some people might not connect with it, right? right? So, but you really want to make sure like people should have a strong feeling, I think, when they come across your marketing message, you know, they should really kind of understand right away whether it's for them or not. Right. Yeah. So the last thing I think in that is what action you want people to take, you know, for, more top of funnel content, you know, when people are just kind of discovering what it is that you offer, that action might be as simple as like maybe downloading a guide that's also about that content, or it might be, you know, clicking into a related blog post, right? Mm -hmm. But you want to think about what actions you want people to take at different stages with different content. Okay. You know, when somebody has signed up for your email list, you know, what actions do you want to take after they sign up for your email list? you know, probably eventually to purchase, you know, but you also might want to get them better acquainted with the different kinds of content you offer in different places. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into implementation and creating systems. Awesome. And you know that I love systems. You, you know? do. I love a good system. And I think that this is one of those things where if you can get this right, creating content is just going to become so easy, you know? Yeah. Like it should just be something that's like, you know, really, you just need to come up with the idea and then you have a general line sense of how it's going to be, how that piece of content is going to be created. And does your system include how it gets shared too, or is this just the creation aspect? No, I think having a system for how it gets shared as well. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm more focused on the creation because you do, do all, all of sharing. our sharing, right? Yeah. You know, or other members of our team, right? So that's more your side of things. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit, but I'm more about, you know, how do we get this piece of content created? I think that in general, you know, and there's a middle step here too in actually planning that content. And that's what we're talking about in this other, you know, corresponding episode. Mm -hmm. But I think in general, people want to focus on creating a core piece of content. What that core piece of content is, is going to vary from business to business. Typically, it's going to fall into one of three categories. It's going to be something written like a blog post, all right? It's going to be something recorded like a podcast or it's going to be something recorded like uh, a YouTube video, right? Typically, people are creating core content in one of those three ways. And is does this core content come from the questions that we were thinking about that people ask? And can you have, second question, can you have more than one piece of core content? Yeah, absolutely. Like we have a YouTube channel and we also have a, a blog that we post to regularly and we have the podcast, of course, mm -hmm. as well. But, 
you know, if people are following along, for those who have been following along, what you'll notice is that typically our content for that week, you know, we might have a podcast about it, but, you know, our blog post, if we have a blog post that week, is going to be about the same content as in the podcast. Uh Same with YouTube, you know, typically it's going to be about related content that was in either the blog or the podcast. And that way we're not trying to come up with three different pieces of content in a given week, right? And we're basically sharing the same content to different channels. Now, the content might vary a little bit. Like there's things that are easier to talk to, talk through like this. And Mm -hmm. then there are things that are easier just to include in a list. Right. For example, one of our more recent podcast episodes was on productivity hacks. We probably talked about maybe six to eight of our favorites, you know, on the podcast. But in the blog post, we included a list that was longer than that. You know, for a video, right? If we were going to create a YouTube video that was related to this content, we might actually show, you know, a part of our system for creating content. Mm -hmm. You know, it probably wouldn't be quite as effective just to basically record this podcast as a video, right? right? Because there's not, but like for us, we found that when we're recording like tutorial type videos, that goes a long way. Right. Yeah. But the idea is we have a core piece of content. All right, so we're not trying to create a thousand different pieces of content in a given month. Typically, we're creating a core piece of content each week. And when you say core content, you don't mean the SEO version of core content, correct? You just mean one bit of content that you're creating that week. Yeah, yeah. I would say one important piece of content we're sharing that week. Because that's also an SEO term, correct? Yeah, sort of. (laughs) I mean, different, you know, SEO programs and SEOs are going to refer to that. Like you've heard of creating like pillar content or cornerstone content. So I'm not trying to confuse it with that, Uh but it is the same concept. Like pillar content and cornerstone content should be really content rich, valuable, helpful pieces of content. And so that's what we're trying to do on a weekly basis is create one of those. And then from there, you're determining like, how you should share it across different platforms. Do you feel like this content always is going to be like a seven tips for kind of cut, like that kind of content? Or do you think like a wedding photographer could share blog a wedding and that would be count as this? Yeah, that would count as it as well. Mm -hmm. And some of our content is going to be, you know, more quote unquote related content Uh than it is the pillar content that I'm talking about. And so there's a place for each of those things. I would say like typically we're going to record you know, something that's going to look like cornerstone or pillar content, you know, that like kind of in-depth guide to something. So as an example, a while back, we published a post called the super simple guide to email marketing, right? That to me is like your cornerstone content for Mm -hmm. that topic. And then what we do is we create a bunch of content that's related to it. So we published posts on deliverability, like how to make sure your emails actually end up in people's inbox. We've published posts on lead generation and, you know, just on the topic of lead generation, you know, so we have a post that goes into detail about what lead generation is that was actually published recently, but we also have, you know, a free template, you know, that has to do with lead generation. We have tips for creating a lead generation offer. Like we have all this related content to those things, you know, but again, you know, you don't want to like, you shouldn't try to tackle all of that at once. Like right. unless you're a massive company, like a HubSpot, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have probably all these different content writers and you could probably roll out all of that content at once. Like for us, it's, you know, can we create consistently a piece of good content each week? Mm-hmm. And that's going to go a long way over the course of a year, two years, three years, and so on. Yeah. So, you know, when you're thinking about 
content, right? In creating a system, you really have to have an idea of what resources that you have in place. All right. So if you are a solopreneur, then you might decide I'm going to create one piece of content every two weeks. And that might be what you can manage. And that's okay. You know, I know that there's a business a while back that I followed and they created one piece of really solid content a month. Mm. Right. And that's all they did. Right. And then they created a lot of you know, share graphics and infographics and social media videos around that content that they would share through the month. Uh But basically they were going to share one piece of amazing content each month. And that worked well for them. Uh I would say, you know, I would be hesitant to do anything less than once every two weeks. Okay. You know, I think that's a good rhythm. Yeah. And that is because that helps keep your audience more engaged by continuing to deliver fresh content. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, once you have people's attention, you want to keep people's attention. You know, one of the things that, so we just had Ashlyn Carter on the podcast not too long ago. One of the things that she talked about was how she's sending two weekly emails now. And that's a increase from one weekly email. And she was just talking about how much more noise there is and how much more important it is to keep people's attention more frequently. And she shares some fun things in her email newsletter too. Like it's not just like she shares like her, some of her favorite things and like things she's found on the web. And so hopefully that helps keep people engaged as well. Yeah. And she talked about like different deliverability benefits as well, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. And her episode, I think goes live in December. Okay. So people should, you know, stay on the lookout for that. But I would say on a, just a frequency basis, trying to publish at least once a week is probably good, especially if you have help to do so. And do you mean like help people who work for you or like hire outside people to help you? Both. Yeah. So it might be independent contractors. It might be people on your team. There are plenty of really good content writers out there that will, you know, learn your voice. You might have to do some revision, but you know, eventually if you give them a good outline, they're going to be able to write a good post. It doesn't take your time up to do so. Right. I would say as the business owner, you should always be part of the planning. Uh Like unless you have a CMO in your business, that's specifically, you know. Coming up with your content ideas. Exactly. Right. And, And most of us don't right? Like most of us don't have a CMO. I would assume that most of the listeners of this podcast also don't have a CMO that's doing this specifically. Right. But unless you have a CMO, I think as a business owner, you should always be part of the planning, but you know, you can definitely bring people in to help you execute on this. Mm -hmm. I don't think it takes a ton of effort, right? When you create, so if you brought somebody in to actually help you create that content, then it's a matter of just figuring out, you know, how you can cut that content up into different pieces to be able to share it on a relatively frequent basis. Right. So like sharing little bits of it on different social media, most likely to help get traffic back to it. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so again, one good piece of content can go a long way. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think most people fail is, you know, they do all this work creating the content and then they spend far less time actually promoting and sharing that content. And we just think again, if we If we create a great piece of content, it's definitely going to go viral. Right. You know, and that's just not how it works. Yeah. Sometimes and hopefully frequently, like if you can figure out how to go viral, that's great. But a lot of times we just have to put in that consistent effort of sharing that content to the different channels that we've decided that our audience shows up on. Right. So is there anything else people should think about as they are planning their content? No, I mean, I would just think about what's feasible. I mean, the, the most important thing here is to stay consistent all right. And then to constantly be going back to your customer journey and your client avatar and asking yourself, okay, I'm going to publish this content. Is this going to attract the type of person that I'm looking to attract? 
And will it truly attract them? Mm -hmm. You know, not will they, you know, get sort of a lukewarm feeling like, oh, you know, that might be interesting. Right. Right. Or is that going to stand out to them? Right. And for people that you're not trying to attract, like, are they going to know right away? That's not for me. And would you say that looking at analytics for your post is going to also help you figure that out? Or do you think this is more like our looking at if people are converting. Yeah, I would say that this, without getting even getting into analytics or anything like that, it's just a matter of, I mean, analytics is going to help you figure out like how content is doing, right? And for you to be able to make adjustments going forward. Right. You know, so you might think that you're going to, you have some great topic and, you know, people are going to love it and then you publish it and it, you know, it gets no traction, right? Right. In that case, then you have to go back and you have to rethink, okay, was it the headline? Was it the way I positioned it? Was the idea good, but execution just poor? Did you or, share it enough? Yeah. Did you share it enough? Or, you know, was it actually just a topic that not a lot of people are interested in? Right. You know, but even without getting there, I think if you're constantly going back and looking at your customer journey and, and figuring out, okay, well, when I create this piece of content, who is it for within that customer journey? Is it for somebody who has never heard of me before? Is it for people who are considering this product or service and now they're comparing and doing research? Right. Is it that last bit that somebody needs to maybe get over the hump and actually purchase or, you know, book? Right. right? So have clearly defined goals for that piece of content. Cool. All right. Awesome. <laughs> well, what we'll talk about in the next post is we'll get into actually creating you know, content. And I think uh, content marketing really involves just two steps. Okay. Uh, so I'm excited to jump into that. And that'll be sort of like a part two to this episode. Okay. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to deviancrista.com. 